Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros. I'm your host today. Thanks so much for carving some time out of your busy day to spend with me. Today we're talking about the painting industry. I read an article that went like this. The paint and coating market size is projected to grow from one one four hundred and forty seven that's a big number for me. hundred and forty seven point two billion in twenty twenty to hundred and seventy nine point four billion in twenty twenty five. So we're talking about a huge growth in just about five years now. Uh, after healthy expansion in the housing market, along with renewed growth in the non-residential construction market, um, it, these things will definitely drive the steady growth over the years to come. So today my guest is Bruce Chamberlain. He is with Clap, um, Clappenberger Painting. And Bruce has been in the franchise world for over 30 years as a franchisor, senior executive, and franchise consultant. Today, he's the franchise develop, uh, developer for Clappenberger & Sons Painting and Handyman. Help me in welcoming Bruce to the show. Bruce, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. It's, uh, it's exciting to be here and talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is franchising. Very good. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, Bruce. Tell me about how you were drawn or why you were drawn to the franchise business model. Well, it's interesting because it was really just one of those fortuitous things that happen every once in a while. And uh, I had been uh, a franchisor for the last 15 years or so and and uh, uh, figured it was time for me really to uh, – uh, uh, slow down a little bit, and uh, and so I started getting, doing some franchise consulting, and through a, a mutual friend, uh, I was introduced to Dave Klappenberger, and Dave, uh, I discovered very quickly, was a very uh, energetic and charming person, but also very successful in the painting and handyman business, and he is based in the uh, uh, in the Annapolis, Maryland area, in the Washington, greater Washington, D.C. metro area. And David had been in the business for over 30 years. Uh, mm -hmm. He started franchising a couple of years ago, but it was really in the very early stages and and um, was in a, in a place where having, you know, a, a seasoned franchise uh, professional there to help him uh, develop and, and guide the the uh, the course of the of the business was was a good thing for him and a good thing for me. Um, I was really uh, excited by how much he had done on the franchise side for a very young franchisor. He had put some things in place that you very often don't see until a franchisor is much farther down the line, much more mature. He had made those commitments up front. 
to really build a system that was uh, franchisee-friendly and to really stack the deck in favor of franchisee success. And that meant making some real investments uh, and some real commitments on the front end that many franchisors are not, you know, always prepared to do. And so that was the first thing that impressed me. And then when I started really looking at the brand and looking at the the economics of the business, uh, very modest investment, but, you know, generating uh, cash flow very quickly and, and a lot of upside, I thought, wow. This is a really interesting business because I've been in more retail-oriented franchises, much larger investment, much more risk. Uh, and here was a program that was really very modest to get into, but could generate you know, actually better returns than a lot of businesses, you know, food franchises and things like that, mm-hmm. that people tend to think of, you know, when you think of franchising. Um, right. And and the service sector is so really a, a really great opportunity for those that, that really want to look closely and see what some of the advantages there are. Sure. So let's talk a little bit, Bruce, about what do the services look like that Klappenberger and Sons actually offers? I know that there's painting and handyman, but what does that look like, you know, and what are some of the, um, what are some of the, the typical jobs that, that your franchisees go out on it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, and it's a pretty wide range. Uh, we do both residential and commercial work. Um, we have a very strong reputation in this area based on all the years that Davis worked here. Uh, we've done jobs at the White House, at the Pentagon, uh, at uh, um, the Smithsonian, uh, many historical properties. Uh, we do a ton with property managers. So property managers are those companies that – may manage two, three, four hundred residential properties, and they need work done in, on those properties all the time. And if they mm-hmm. can find a very reliable contractor that comes in and does top drawer work, you know, uh, operates in a very professional manner, they don't have to chase them to finish up the job and, and, and do it properly. It makes their life a lot easier. So we do a mm-hmm. lot with property managers, schools and colleges, um, we've done uh, jobs with retail chains like the Verizon stores, Bass Pro, uh, Crate and Barrel. You know, so a pretty wide array, uh, array of, of uh, uh, customers uh, in terms of services. You know, all the things you would associate with painting, you know, uh, both indoor and exterior painting, uh, power washing. Uh, <clears throat> um, we do m- modest kitchen remodels, bathroom remodels. Uh, and then basic handyman work. So, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, we have a company here, uh, a large um, uh, medical uh, service company that has hospitals and clinics. And they might call us and say, you know, we need to take a, a CAT scan machine out of one of our clinics, and we can't get it out through the door, so we're going to have to open up the wall and take it out mm-hmm. through there. And we need somebody to replace the wall and make it look beautiful again, paint everything. So that's the kind of job we could go in and do very easily. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. I would think, Bruce, um, just from a layman's perspective, looking on the outs- from the outside in, that um, a apartment complex would welcome someone like Klappenberger because then that's one less FTE, full-time employee, they would have to be concerned with just bringing a professional like uh, Klappenberger in 
to do some of the handyman work or the painting. Sounds like it'd be much more. Uh, it would be a wiser choice in some cases. Yes, that's generally true. But since you specifically mentioned apartments, if it's painting type work, uh, quite frankly, we tend to stay away from apartments because they want it done very, very, very cheaply, and they want it done quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's very low margin work. It isn't to say that we wouldn't ever not we would never do it. But if you get a property manager that has you know, a, a residential development of 100 homes, um, that kind of work is going to be much more uh, lucrative. Uh, the mm-hmm. margins in it are way better, and they're not they're not beating you up on price. You know, they're really mm-hmm. looking for quality and um, and uh, consistency, and, mm-hmm. and and also not having to to follow up, follow up, follow up because they spend their right. life, you know, putting out fires every day. Sure. And sure. So they call you, you go do it. They don't have to follow up. You invoice them. They pay you. They pay you really good at a really good rate. And and they'll, you know, uh, an account like that, quite frankly, could generate thirty to a hundred thousand dollars a year. One account. Wow. Wow. That's so, amazing. So, Just yeah, one account. they're like gold. You know, one account mm-hmm. could generate that kind of business. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the franchise piece of uh, Clappenberger. When you're looking for franchisees, uh, prospective franchisees, do you want to see someone maybe with some construction uh, uh, experience? Yeah, that's, and that's probably a very one of the most uh, frequently asked questions. And I will tell you definitively that none of our franchisees have any background in the business at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really not necessary because our work is done through subcontractors. So the franchisee is, is not going to be out on a job with a paintbrush in a sense. We're mm-hmm. really looking for someone uh, who can manage and market the business. So most of our guys, you know, came out of corporate backgrounds or out of the, their, their retired military um, uh, veterans. Uh, we get we have a couple of former entrepreneurs, and the reason they're in the business, quite frankly, Linda, is that the uh, the investment was very reasonable, and the return on investment is exceptional. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's a reason it's a reasonable business to run. You know, there mm-hmm. are, I've been around a lot of franchises that, uh, from an operational perspective, they eat you alive. You know, mm-hmm. uh, even if they generate mm-hmm. good money. They're just going to wear you out. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if someone's going to take the leap and the risk and everything to get in, into a business, then it's not just about the money. You know, it's about quality of life, you know, freedom to really, um, you know, if you want to go to your son's soccer game, you don't have to ask anybody. Um, right. And a lot of times, you know, people may get into a franchise where the operational side is so difficult that, they have way less time than they did, you know, when they were employed, and, and, if, and they feel kind of like, oh, I'm, I feel kind of like I'm a slave to the business. Sure. Um, yeah. And there's many franchises out there where that's not the case, and this is certainly one of them. I mean, you're going to have real quality of life. Uh, we don't have 50 employees. You know, we might have two or three employees, even when you're, you have a million plus business, and you'll have a team, you know, different crews of subcontractors. But your core staff is small, 
and mm-hmm. you can generate a lot of business with a relatively few number of people. You're operating the business from home, so you, you don't have a, uh, a retail site or an office space. Um, so your economies of scale are really good, and and the margins in the business are really good. So I think that's the, that's what drives people into the business, not because they love painting and hand man, but because it's a very reasonable business to run and the financial returns are excellent. So if you are not looking for someone with that experience, construction experience already, um, what kind of training do you put your franchisees through so that they do have a bit of understanding and they know what they're looking at when they get out there? Yeah, and this is really when we move into the specifics of what separates a brand like Klappenberger and Son from other service-based franchises. So not retail bricks-and-mortar locations, but um, you know other businesses that offer a service. Um, and in this case, this is where when I talked, uh, when I referred earlier to the kind of commitments that uh, Dave was making up front and ongoing to really separate this franchise in terms of the attractiveness, but also the, the the likelihood of success. So the first thing, and probably the most important thing, uh, coming right out of the gates, and this is true of any franchise business, uh, is good, comprehensive training. Now, the norm in most franchises, and I'm sure you've encountered this, the norm is typically two weeks of training. A week in the mm-hmm. home office, you know, in the yep. training center at the home office, and a week, you know, in the in the market, in the franchisee's market. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our case, we looked at that and said, can you realistically train somebody in a business they know nothing about in two weeks? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you you think about if you're in a career, you're in a corporate job, could you train somebody to do that job the way you do it in two weeks? Probably not. Not at all. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's not realistic. Now, right. obvi- obviously, you know, franchisors have ongoing support and, you know, you can call them and they can coach you and and, and that's all good. But we looked at it and said, if we're going to position them for success, then we have to make a larger commitment on the front end to that success. And so mm-hmm. in our case, our training is six weeks and two weeks, one to two weeks in the home office. Uh, we're actually going out and seeing some jobs that franchisees are doing and getting a real feel for it and also getting product knowledge. And then there's uh, typically two to three weeks in a remote virtual training and then two weeks in the franchisee's market. Now, one mm-hmm. thing I should make clear is even while they're in training, we are, we've, we've started the marketing program and we're already priming the pump, so by the time we get to their market for that last two weeks, we already have jobs to go out and mm-hmm. estimate together and hire subcontractors. I mean, we're actually now doing it with them side by side. Uh, and we even had a franchisee, retired Army captain, uh, that got a $10,000 job with a property manager in his third week of training. And wow. we we ended up doing that job through a subcontractor. He made three or four thousand dollars on the job and he hadn't even finished training class. 
Well, so, no, I'm not saying that's always going to happen. That was, mm-hmm. you know, a fortunate circumstance. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, but that's the we we want to hit the ground running, and so that that training is really very comprehensive, and and it's with Dave Klappenberger, the founder and, and CEO himself. So nice. it's not with you know a a, a well-intentioned. Uh, a college graduate that gets trained on the fundamentals of the business and sits in the training room and you come in and and they give you the book learning. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then you've got to kind of figure out the field stuff, you know, with somebody on the other end of the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, You Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it it can be done. It it Mm -hmm. certainly can be done and it, it is done, but there's going to be a lot of mistakes and that's going to cost money and more, emotional wear and tear and and so our feeling is you make the commitment up front you get them fully ready and by the end of that training class they will actually know from an intellectual standpoint at least more than probably 70 percent of the contractors that are out there doing it have been doing it for a long time right so you know that's that's the so that's the first thing the training is very very important and there's some other things too but you know we can circle back to that if you have other questions so so when we're talking about building the market um, and going out and doing and and doing bids or estimates, um, do you have uh, do you have a way to support them? I mean, is, is this when they go out and do these bids? Is how, is there a software um, that they use to help them with that? Yeah, absolutely. So. So this comes under the category of, you know, in your system, your franchise system, you have training and then you have tools, and mm-hmm. tools are the the uh, the the programs and, and and approaches and procedures and so forth that you use in order to execute the franchise system. And so, obviously, franchisors have have software and they have have training manuals and operations manuals and all these things that the franchisee can then utilize uh, to execute on what they've learned. And hopefully, they also have ongoing support to do that. So, in our case, um, we have um, estimating software. Uh, we have a price book. Uh, and that price book has actually been developed over a period of about 10 or 15 years. And it's actually made, it's actually uh, predicated on real jobs done by real painters of average ability uh, so that we know when we go out and price a job, we've never seen a variance of more than 5%. Uh, mm. and, and the franchisees have never lost money. And they're using the price guide and the software. They've never lost money using it. Sometimes they don't always use it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. go out and you, and you kind of say, well, I, I kind of give a uh, look at it and say, well, I think that's about 10 hours, you know, back of the envelope type of thing. That's the very thing we mm-hmm. don't want them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I'd be lying if I said they never they, they never do that. <laughs> Occasionally mm-hmm. they do mm-hmm. that. And, and sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not okay. And when when it's not mm-hmm. okay, then they learn their lesson. And they use the tools and they follow the system. So, sure. so they're going to have those tools, and then we'll be out there actually doing estimates with them. And if they get a big job, say they get a hundred thousand dollar, you know, historic um, restoration job, something like that, um, then they can call and and we can walk them through the estimate, and make sure they're they're covering all the bases, they're not missing anything. Um, so they always have that. 
You know, they're they're never going to be out there on their own trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's not going to be the case. The other mm-hmm. thing I should mention that is also very significant, and this again comes under the category of significant commitments on the front end by the franchisor to their success. And that is, we are not a hobby business. So, and, and there are many franchises out there that somebody decides, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to start winding down a little bit. I want, I want a place to go every day, and I can sit in the shop and and talk with the customers and make a little money, and I'll be happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's not what we are. You know, we're looking for someone who wants to build a really significant business. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things that we're gonna we're gonna give them is a very large protected territory. And mm-hmm. this is a this is sort of a hot button in franchising right now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you get franchisors, and I won't name names, but uh, that you know, well-known franchisors that put franchisees right on top of each other. Right. And, and so they're cannibalizing each other, and it doesn't create a, a spirit of cooperation and collaboration and so forth. You start looking at your fellow franchisees like they're competitors. Mm-hmm. which defeats the whole purpose of the franchise, which is to mm-hmm. com- compete collectively to beat up on everybody else. Um, and mm-hmm. so in our case, you know, a typical territory in our segment, in our space, might be 100,000 people. You know, our territories are five or 600,000 people. Wow. Wow. With, with uh, you know, the, the proper demographics and, and all that. Um, so, you know, another franchisor could sell two, three, four territories in the kind of territory we'd offer a single franchisee. And in the case of the franchisor, they're going to get the royalties regardless, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's three ter- franchisees in that territory and they're all working, you know, they all have small territories but working that whole area, the franchisor is going to get the royalties regardless, but right, exactly. It limits the upside that each of those franchisees can how big a business can they can they have if yeah. you got two other guys in, in a territory that could all of that could potentially be theirs. Yeah. Uh, so in our case we say, you know what, we're gonna find the right franchisee. You know, we're gonna be careful on the front end in terms of the mutual discovery process. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna find the right franchisee, we're gonna spend you know, additional time training them, preparing them, we're going to give them a territory where they can build a really big business. And if they Mm -hmm. do that, then we'll still get the royalties, but Mm -hmm. they'll build, instead of having a business where they can make, you know, $100,000, they can make two, three, or $400,000. Sure. So, you know, and so, and not, you know, so you have to find the person that wants to do that. Of course, that's not for everybody. Um, But, you know, it's a risk it's a risk on the part of the franchisor because if he's wrong, then and that franchisee develop doesn't really develop much of the business. That territory's, you know, gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. you can't do anything about it as long as the franchisee's not doing anything, you know, illegal. Um, sure. You know that that's a lot of lost royalties. So um, a lot of franchisors are not willing to do that. But our feeling is, if we find the right person. And we and we really uh, train them on the front end and support them, then they will build a big business. That, that they'll validate the system to other franchisees, uh, and it's good for everybody. 
Absolutely. Bruce, we need to take a quick commercial break here, but okay. I would love some here, some stories of those franchisees. Do you happen to have some you could share with us when we come sure. back? Sure. Sure. I'd be happy to do that. Wonderful. Uh, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be back with more from Bruce Chamberlain. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballestetos is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come. Contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey, folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. We're here with Bruce Chamberlain from Clapperberg Painting. So, um, Bruce, I ask if you happen to have some stories that you could share with us. Sure. Well, you know, every franchisor has stories, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. tell stories all day long, and, and if if they're at a uh, an IFA event or something like that, and they're in they're in the lounge together. They're all telling their war stories. Um, of course. So, uh, but I won't share war stories. Uh, in our case, you know, the franchise is relatively young, so we don't have franchisees that have been around a long time. Uh, but it's it's helpful, you know, just to see, uh, you know, the trajectory of of how they grow and and so forth. And and one of the things that that really attracted me to this business initially is that you can start making money immediately. And when I say immediately, I mean on the very first job. You know, I mentioned that franchisee who made a Mm -hmm. nice profit on a job while he was in training class. So Mm -hmm. it's not like a retail business where you go and build out the store. You spend $100,000 building out your store and your signage, and you put your marketing out there, and you sign a five five or ten-year lease, and you spend a lot of money, and now you hope that somebody walks in there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so there's, there's, you know, that's a significant commitment, uh, and it may take six months, twelve months, or longer to break even. You know, just to just to start making money, or start to to pay all the expenses and, and generate at least a little profit. In our case, we make money from the very first job, so there is not a three, six month, twelve months, and some businesses even two year break even period. You know, we're making money from day one. And so uh, you, know, you see with franchisees that, you know, you tell them, all right, we want to do the marketing this way. We want to go out and we want to estimate this way. Uh, and we have a franchisee in Montgomery County uh, in Maryland. Uh, he had an accounting background, also retired military, bright guy, very personable. Um, but when he started out, you know, he, he said, you know, I thought, well, yeah, that's interesting, and I, I see you want me to do it that way, but I have a few other ideas, you know. So, And he'd be the first to tell you now. He's about four years in now. And, 
he said, you know, so I decided, well, I was going to try it this way, and I was going to try it that way. And he said, I started getting really uh, hammered left and right because I discovered that those, that was not the way to do it. And it cost me some real heartache, and, and uh, I lost some money because of it. And I went through a whole year of trying to do it my way. And finally, you know, and I would call Dave up and, and Dave said, look, it may not even seem logical to you, you know, because you haven't spent time in the business and so forth, but just trust me, just do it this way. Mm-hmm. And he started doing it that way and he, his business just took off. Uh, and his, his bottom line profit got much better. Um, you know, the worst thing in the world is to put money out in marketing Get a get a nice job, um, and and then don't execute properly and lose money. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's discouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the whole idea of the system is you follow the system so that that doesn't happen. And he had to get, you know, take a few knocks, uh, and and learn the hard way. And now, um, you know, he is just blowing and going. And one thing I should tell you, just as an aside, but an important aside is this uh, this business does really well in an up economy. It does really well in a down economy. And it does really well in the midst of a global pandemic. Mm. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making light of that. I mean, quite literally, our guys are at, right now at full capacity. I mean, they're running as hard as they can run. Uh, wow. And two weeks ago, we had our, our, our best sales week ever, two weeks mm-hmm. ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, this is, there's a ton of work out there. Uh, and you think about all the businesses that are really suffering right now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just how can we get back to some semblance of normalcy? And, you know, I know one guy, he has a haircutting franchise. He has 20, 22 locations in California. And he was just crushing it before. He was just doing tremendously well. And he hasn't been able to open back up. You know, he's just mm-hmm. getting absolutely killed. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you're looking at a decision of what is a business where I'm going to make a commitment financially and in terms of my time and effort, um, you know, what's a business in an industry that I can go into where um, I can I can weather those changes and still do well? You know, so, and- folks, as you're listening to Bruce, he makes a really good point. This time last year, I don't think any of the questions as we started talking to franch- existing franchisees as we go through that discovery process, I don't think that question of how did the leadership team support you during this down economy, but that's going to be a really important question going forward. Um, uh, Prospective franchisees are going to want to know, how did you do during the pandemic? That is going to be a, that is going to be a standard question on the list anymore, Bruce, because it's, it's important. And, what that shows when your franchisees are not suffering during a time like that, it really shows that you have a very strong leadership team. So, Bruce, as we're, um, we're getting close to the end of the show, um, if somebody's listening right now and they really are intrigued by Clappenberger, 
how would they find out more information and get in touch with you? Well, first of all, they can go to uh, our website, klappenbergerandson.com, and uh, just review some of the basic information. And then they're certainly welcome to contact me, and and, uh, you can share the contact information with them uh, or David. And uh, we are actively looking. um, We're we're looking, I would say, primarily on the East Coast, um, Texas, some of the Midwest. We're not in California, but um, most of the rest of the country, but with a concentration on the East Coast uh, and Texas. Uh, and, and so that would be, you know, we're, we're happy to talk with anyone who, even if they have, want to explore the idea, they don't know if it's right for them, but uh, want to at least get familiar with what's possible. Um, I'm sure you, in working with with uh, prospective entrepreneurs yourself, you mm-hmm. see the value of them being able to do some side-by-side comparisons uh, oh, in different types of businesses because that fleshes out what is really important to them, and that that's different for different people. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we're down to those final three questions. The first one is, if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a, purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest they do to prepare for the process? Wow, that's a that's a good one. Um, so I guess the first thing is, you know, really look at your own individual strengths and weaknesses. You know, what are you good at? What are you not good at? You know, are, are you a really good salesperson, but you hate sitting down and doing admin work? Um, are you... Uh, are you great at details, but the idea of picking up the phone and calling somebody scares the hell out of you? Um, you know, so you look at your own strengths and weaknesses. Look at what uh, what kinds of things are you really interested in. Uh, mm-hmm. That isn't to say that you should go out and open a business uh, around something that's your hobby. Very often mm-hmm. that's a bad idea uh, mm-hmm. because then you discover it's great as a hobby, boy, but I hate it as a business. So mm-hmm. look at look at the things that that are interesting to you. Then the second thing is, what are your financial needs? You know, mm-hmm. if if you've been in a corporate job and you're making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, and you need that kind of money to support your lifestyle and your family, then you've got to look at a business that can produce that kind of income. And and the question is then, how long will it take to get there? You know, if you've got you got a couple of kids in college and you've got a, a home in a nice area and so forth, and you've got to support all that, um, then you have to look at, you know, how long will it take me to get there? Um, what You could look at the item 19 uh, in uh, FDD, you know, what are, the, mm-hmm. uh, what are the sales results and talk with franchisees uh, to get a good idea of what, what does this business realistically produce and how long, how long does it take to get there? Uh, And then, of course, the third thing is what kind of financial resources and assets do you have in order to capitalize the business? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and of course, you know, you you could love a business. You think this would be perfect for me, but it may not align with what your financial resources are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are financing options out there. We can always talk about financing and all that. But uh, uh, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you bet the farm, you know, uh, and everything has to go perfectly uh, for it to work out. Not a good idea. 
So yeah. uh, find something that, that falls reasonably within your financial capabilities. And then, you know, you're going to have some working capital and so forth. But uh, if, if it's a two-year break-even, uh, you better make sure that you've got lots of working capital there to carry you so you can pay the mortgage and do all those kinds of things. And other businesses like this one that cash flow right away, uh, mm-hmm. that can take a lot of the fear and trembling and, quite frankly, risk out of it. Uh, sure. So those, I think those are the key things. Having an advisor that you can, you know, like a coach, a franchise coach, somebody that you can can help you sort through those questions and, and steer you towards some possible, uh, you know, the, the different types of businesses that might be aligned with, with some of those things we just talked about. That's mm-hmm. helpful, which isn't to say you couldn't mm-hmm. do it yourself, but, you know, it, sure. it's helpful to have someone as a guide. Absolutely. So the second question here, Bruce, is, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? Well, the first one I think is, are you able to take responsibility? And what that means is when you're in a a job and you work for somebody else, you know, people get pretty good at, I don't want to say hiding, but, or pointing the finger at somebody else. There's, there's, there's a way to not have to always take the blame. (laughs) And, but in a business, it begins and it ends with you. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a good thing. If you're somebody that really, you know, wants to go build something for themselves and their family and uh, they realize that, hey, you know, this is now I'm going to get I'm going to get all the credit. I'm going to get most of the credit. And I'm going to get also I'm going to get the blame. And mm-hmm. so you realize when you step out, that it begins and ends with me. Uh, and uh, if I'm able to to step up to that, then the, the rewards are phenomenal. I mean, most of the wealth in this country has been been developed through entrepreneurship. You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. think there's any question about that. But that doesn't mean everybody's cut out to be self-employed. Right. It's, right. it's responsibility. So Do you have the responsibility? Yeah. Will you take the responsibility? The second thing is, are you able to get things done through other people? You know, so unless you're in a franchise where it's like a consulting type business and it's, and it's basically you and maybe you have somebody that does administrative work for you or something like that. But otherwise, you're going to have to be able to motivate and, and train and support and hold other people accountable in order to fulfill your goals and also fulfill theirs. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're you really don't like uh working with people or dealing with people and, and uh, uh, in a job you put up with it because you get a paycheck. But yeah. in a business, your own livelihood depends on it. So yeah. uh, you've got to be able to work with and motivate and and uh, uh, get others to accomplish so that you can accomplish. So I would say that's, so true. that's a second one. Yeah. yeah, so true. So the final question here is what does the future of franchising look like? Wow. Um, <laughs> well, you know, if you look at the, the I've, I've been in this 30, 35 years, and the amount of change that's taken place in that time is pretty phenomenal. Um, and, and I think it's it's fair to say that franchising is a mature industry now. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I mean, just about anything you can think of has been franchised. So, mm-hmm. um there is certainly an abundance of choices. You know, they're just uh, they're just innumerable things you could look at. Um, 
But I think the, the reality is that, especially in times like this, uh, you get to a certain number of, of franchises. I think the number's in the three to 4,000 or more franchises now, uh, in, just in the U.S. Um, you know, there, I, I think there will be a little bit of a shaking out, to tell you the truth. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 I, and that's probably a good thing. It's not good for the people that it's happening to. But I think at the end of the day, um, there's, you get to a point where there's just too many cows in the field eating a certain amount of grass. Mm-hmm. And I, I think at a certain point, you know, there's there's going to be some shaking out. So yeah. that, I think, for, again, looking at a prospective franchise, is is this a, a business that is not a, a fad business? You know, you think about TCBY or something like that where they were just, you saw one in every single corner. Yeah. Uh, and bagel franchises years ago, there were bagel franchises everywhere you looked. You, you were on the four corners, and there was three of the corners had a bagel franchise on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and at the time, they were they were okay businesses. Um, but you, this a business like this is a bread and butter business. You know, painting mm-hmm. is ne- is never going to go away. Uh, right. You know, the biggest investment most people have is their home. You know, mm-hmm. so they want to take care of it. Same thing with a business. You know, they want to protect it, take care of it. Even in, in, in down economic times, you know, instead of going out and buying another property, they'll fix up the one they have and get, mm-hmm. you know, get more equity out of what they have. So, um, so I think, you know, like anything, when, some, when things start to get very competitive, you know, the strong will, will endure and the not so strong, you know, some of them are going to fall by the wayside. Exactly. So, Bruce, one more time, if someone wants more information about um, the Klappenberger painting and handyman services as a franchise, how would they find out more information? How would they get in touch with you? So they can go to Klappenberger and Son, www.klappenbergerandson.com. They can uh, reach me at uh, bcfranchiseguide at gmail.com. Um, and they can call if they want to give me a call just to talk about this particular franchise or franchising in general. Um, my number is 215-317-9189. Wonderful. Bruce, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really fascinating hearing your perspective of franchising. So thanks again for being on the show. Pleasure to be here and appreciate you having me. Absolutely. So, folks, I want to wrap up today with a quote, and this is a quote, and it's by an unknown person, but uh, I still think it applies. Uh, The quote goes like this, a fresh coat of paint on the front door goes miles toward establishing a great first impression. And I think that's what Klappenberger Paint uh, and Sons does. It helps to establish a great first impression, not just by painting the door, but just by creating a great environment. So again, folks, thanks for joining me on All Things Franchising, and I'll see you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.